This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed, which is a biblical word for engaged, to Joseph, before they came together, I'm not even going to spell that out for you. Uh, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public spectacle or example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, <laughs> which we could just have a whole message on that, while he laid in bed and thought about these things, how is my wife, who I've never been with, pregnant? How, God? While he thought about these things, Amen. Well, he thought about these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. This is from God. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name. Come on, 7 p.m. Say that name. You shall call his name what? You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through a prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which is, you can translate that, Rosetta Stone, into God with us. So, so. Joseph is, they're, in, they're an engaged couple, and he's really excited about it. They're on Pinterest. They're choosing out all the stuff, and they're going to get married. And um, she comes to him, and, you know, long story short, she's like, hey, I'm, I'm pregnant, and it's of God. And isn't it amazing? This is so like God. God chose a man that could handle her report. And let me just encourage you tonight. You are always building your life off of trust and God's looking for some people that he can trust with information that might not make sense in the natural but you know that we live in the supernatural and so God did not choose a man that would go and throw her business out in the streets and make some memes out of it no he chose a man that would hide it in the secrecy in other words God chose a man he could trust with the information his name was Joseph now the Bible says Joseph's kind of thinking about these things, saying, wow, this is kind of peculiar, you know. I thought Mary, you know, she's, we were going to have a good life and we were going to be married and now she's saying she's, he's thinking about these things. He's not talking about, remember, it's important in life that sometimes you've got to ponder stuff on your own and process things before you talk about them. So Joseph's processing things. He's not, he's not you know, on, on text saying, what should I do? What do I do? He's not sitting down with, you know, some friends, you know, this is what my girl's saying. No, he's thinking about these things. And the Lord comes and visits him and says, Joseph, be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. I, 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 I'm involved in this. What's in her is of God. And he says, listen, you're gonna give birth, she's going to give birth to a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. He says, now, this is the name of this child that's coming out. His name is called Jesus. And this is to fulfill the prophecy which a prophet spoke that he will be born of a virgin and his name shall be called, or we will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Isn't it amazing that the angel of the Lord actually gives us the name Jesus 
and fulfills the calling, Emmanuel. So in other words, you have to understand this. Jesus has the name above all names, but sometimes we look at Jesus and we call him by so many names because he can do so many things. Sometimes we call him the Alpha and the Omega because he is the beginning and the end. He was there in creation. He's going to be there when he comes back on a horse to rescue us from this world. Sometimes we call him the Prince of Peace because he is that. Sometimes we call him the Lion of the tribe of Judah because he can take back what the enemy stole. Sometimes we call him Emmanuel, God with us. This is the angel of the Lord talking about the difference between a God that once was in heaven and a God that now is on earth. Anybody thankful tonight that God did not stay up there where it was comfortable and convenient, but the Bible says in Philippians 2, he did not consider it robbery, but became a man. Somebody in the 7 p.m. applaud and thank God that God himself came down and it's now God with us. I want to preach a message this evening. If you're taking notes, you can write down the title. It's called Jesus is with me. Jesus is with me. And I want to pray and I want to believe that tonight in this beautiful middle school with these wonderful chandeliers and these flashing lightning thunders that we're experiencing in the church service, I want to believe that God will encourage you and believe that wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, that God will strengthen you tonight. If you're married and you're sitting next to your spouse, um, not like Carlos and Ashley, um, if you sit next to your spouse, um, you know, grab your spouse's hand. And uh, if you're single, um, I don't know, figure it out, you know, <laughs> just, just put your hand on your knees or thighs or something. <laughs> just kind of sit there. <laughs> Still single. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our church. Thank you for all the good things that you're doing we cannot wait for Christmas's love. We are so excited to give hope. And God, we are mindful that tonight as we gather around your word, that you are so gracious and so kind and so loving. God, thank you that your precious promises, your word is literally light and it is a lamp and it instructs us and teaches us. We receive your word tonight. We thank you for it. God, we're also praying that next week at Christmas is love, that many people will be touched by the message of the gospel. We're thanking you for all the good things that you're doing in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. A little bit louder. And we all said together, amen. Um, now, there are indicators that tell you if somebody loves you or not. Like, there are th there's signals you know, that can, you, you can interpret if somebody loves you. I'm married eight years, which means I've really been with my, 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 my wife for nine because we dated, you know, nine. We dated actually six months, engaged for three months. People say all the time, why were you engaged for only three months? Because I looked at my wife and I said, listen, we either going to get married or you're going to get pregnant. Which one do you want? So <laughs> three months and then holler at your boy. I was 28 years old, virgin, okay? So 28 years old, I was like, we getting married, okay? So... <laughs> That's why three months. So yeah, yeah, is the reason why we got three kids. Three months. Holler at your boy. So, so there are indicators when you are with a particular individual. There are signals that tell you if the other person loves you or not. It's body language. It's um, it's text messages. You know, with the right emojis. It's um, 
You know, it's that five love language thing, you know, like acts of service, words of affirmation, physical touch, quality time. It's all these, you know, is there's indicators. You tell if somebody loves you or not by these things. These are signals. These are ways that you can tell if somebody truly, really loves you. Like if you walk into somebody's house and your picture is on their fridge, they, they, they really want to be with you, they're a good friend, or they're just a stalker. So one of the three. But, but you, there's indicators that somebody loves you. I want to tell the way that you can tell God loves you. And again, we're starting a new series this entire month, the month of December, called He Loves Us. The way that I know that God loves me. It's not just because he tells me that he loves me, but it's his actions that prove it. I don't know that God loves me just by the fact that he says it. I know that God loves me because he's with me. Being with somebody is actually the act that proves your love. It's not that God is just for you any longer, but when Jesus came to this earth, God stopped just being for you, but now he started being with you. You know someone loves you if they're for you, but you really know someone loves you if they're with you. Be careful in life for people that are for you, but they're not with you. People that are with you, they're for you. And you got to make sure that you understand that God proved his loyalty to you when he didn't just say that he loved you, but he came and stood with you. Anybody thankful tonight in the 7 p.m. that he's for you? Come on, help me preach now. And he's with you. He's with you. Now, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, Jesus is so with you that nothing you do can separate you from this love. You could do just the most incredible, terrible acts of debauchery and sin, and nothing you do can separate you. If you tithe or you don't tithe, you can't be separated. If you go to church, you don't go to church. Nothing you do can separate you from the love of God. And I just want to tell you, Jesus, God is Emmanuel. He's with us. When is he with us? How is he with us? What does this look like in my everyday life? How do I know that he's with me? When is he with me? Is it all times? Is it bad times? Is it good times? I'm going to give you four times that you can rest assured that Jesus is going to be with you in your life. Write down the first one. Jesus, I love this about him. Jesus is with me in my storm. Oh, praise the Lord. He's with me in my storm. When I'm going through hell on earth, when it hurts like hell, when the, when the wind is, is in my face, when the storm is raging, when the rain is pouring down, it could be sleet, it could be snow, whatever the storm looks like, I know that in the midst of the storm, Jesus is with me. In Matthew chapter 8, there's a beautiful story where the disciples, they're on a boat with Jesus, and they get on the boat, and they're like, I'm on a boat. And they're on this boat, and they're all hanging out, they're having a good time, and Jesus goes and takes a nap on the boat. He's taking a nap on the boat, and then while he's sleeping, the Bible says a storm breaks out. Isn't it interesting in life? You never know when a storm could break out. Interestingly enough, sometimes storms happen in our life just because they suddenly break out. Other times, storms happen in life because you made them happen. And that's the difference between a natural disaster and a self-inflicted disaster. That's the difference between, remember in James, and James, James, the book of James, James says, isn't it something interesting? This little tongue, this little thing right here, it is such a small member of the body, and yet it can start with one word, such a huge forest fire. For sake of tonight, we'll say, this thing can start a storm, can it? Trigger fingers turn into Twitter fingers, and all of a sudden, there's chaos. Sorry, these are for the hypebeast people. But... 
So it's one thing that there's a natural disaster of storm. It's another thing when you created the storm. It says all of a sudden a storm breaks out and they start to panic and freak out. And somebody's like, we got to go wake him up. So they go wake up Jesus. Jesus comes out. And before he addresses the storm, he addresses their faith. Because some of you need to understand what you're going through is less about what you're going through and more about what God is doing in you. It's less about the storm and it's more about your soul. So he starts talking to their faith, and he's like, "Why? Tell me why? Explain this. I don't. Why are you so afraid? Because if I'm on the boat, we gonna be all right." He said, "Don't make me rage." And he said, "Why are y'all so afraid? Oh, ye of little faith." And he speaks to the storm, and everything goes quiet. Because don't you believe that? Do you have faith tonight, Zoe? That Jesus has power over winds and waves. I tell you, whatever storm you're facing, it could be financial, physical, emotional, spiritual. It's not bigger than Jesus. Jesus is not intimidated. Now, the interesting things about storms is not only what caused them natural disaster or self-inflicted disaster. But the interesting thing about storms is you never know how long they will last. That's why sometimes a storm for some of us can last for like a month or two. And other of us, others of us, we feel like we've been in a storm for a year. It's been a stormy year. It's been a stormy last two years. And most of us are afraid to admit that we're in a storm because I thought Pastor Jason Laird said it so brilliantly two weeks ago. He said most of us are not afraid of failure because that's what a lot of us think storms are. Most of us are not afraid of failure. We're afraid of the identity attached to failure. So you, a lot of us don't want to admit that we're in a storm because it's embarrassing that I'm still in this storm. I remember when everything broke out with our daughter, Georgia, and we received the diagnosis, and we were going through all the things with our daughter, which, by the way, praise God, our daughter, Georgia, turned five on Friday. Come on, somebody. HBD, hashtag G. And... And I remember when, when, when it came out, this, this thought kept creeping up in my, in my soul. I kept saying to the Lord, don't let anything else happen to us. Like this next child needs to be healthy because the, uh, the embarrassment, what's wrong, with those, what's wrong with those people that they had one sick child and now they got another sick child. And I was most afraid of the embarrassment of the identity with a storm. And Jesus is here to say, listen. The reason why I can post up and Sunday afternoon nap in your storm is because I'm the prince of peace. And I'm not moved. I'm not afraid of your storm. It could start, the boat could rock and the wind can howl. But greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. Some of you need to get a revelation tonight. He's with me in the, come on, somebody praise God tonight if you believe he's with me in the storm. Isn't that just like Jesus? Everybody else bailing off the boat in the midst of a storm. Jesus standing with you. And you're getting, getting his hair blown. That Jesus, beautiful long hair, just blown. And so, number one, he's with me in my storm. Let's go polar opposite, love opposite. He's with me in my storm right down number two. He's with me in my success. Well, what kind of a God do we serve most of you can't comprehend this because you see God as only there in broken, uh, hardship, worst 
the, 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 the bottom of the barrel times, that that's when we call on God. We come to church because we're broken, we're needy, we're hurting. We fill out the praise card, the prayer cards because we, we need God. God is not a God that tries to monetize your pain. God is not a God that tries to keep you dependent upon him and you just are in a desperate place all the time. God's heart is that you would flourish and excel and take off and have promotion and be fruitful. Come on, somebody thank God tonight that he doesn't just want to be with you in a storm, but it's God's heart that you have mad success. Do you know what it means in the Greek to have mad success? It means mad success. He wants you to be, listen, listen, this is what the Bible says in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, seven times, Jesus repeats the words. In one translation, he uses the, the word remain. In another, it's abide. But seven times, Jesus says to you and I, stay, stay in me. Remain. Abide. Stay in the word. Stay in church. Stay, stay with the connect group. Don't come once a month. Don't acknowledge me just on Sunday. Remain in me. Abide in me. Remain in me. Abide in me. And he says something so powerful in verse number 4 in John chapter 15. He says, because apart from me, you do no good thing. This is a fascinating statement that Jesus would make because I begin to think, Jesus, is this really true? Because I see a lot of people in the world that do not love you or acknowledge you or go to church and they do a lot of good things. So how is it possible that they can do something that is good, but you're saying I can't do anything good apart from you. Jesus is differentiating between good that you do that brings glory to your own name and good that you do that brings glory to his name. He's saying when you do good in my name, when you do good in who I am, when you acknowledge that I am your source, I am your strength, I am your creativity, I am your author, I am your provider, when you acknowledge that, it said the Father will receive much glory from your good. In fact, if you don't believe me, let's read together in John chapter 15 and watch these scriptures that come up on the screen. John chapter 15, these two verses that we read, it says this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. But by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. Did you hear what Jesus just said? Jesus said, my desire, you prove that you're actually a Jesus person. Not when you're impoverished, not when you're bankrupt, not when you just got church stuff and nothing else. You actually prove to be a disciple when you bear much fruit. It is the heart of God that you have success. I love to watch football. I'm a football fan. I love watching football. I didn't get a football body, but I got a football eye. Yeah, I don't know. And so um, one of my favorite things about watching football these days is they always go to the press box. They always, or, you know, the, the box, the suites. And when they usually pan to the, to the boxes, they show three, one of three things. They either show the coaches. You know, these are the coaches, offensive, defensive coordinator. They show the, the, the celebrities that have showed up. These are the famous people that are here. And then, and then, and then they show the owners. I like watching the owners because the owners, they, what they wear to a football game is not like what the rest of the fans are dressed in, especially Raider fans. They, they're dressed like in a suit. You know, they look sophisticated. They usually got like some execs and some family in the suite. And they usually go to them at critical points in the game, like in the fourth quarter. Like, I don't know if you watched on Thanksgiving, the Cowboys were playing. And the Cowboys, okay, enough Sugarfoot. And so that's just... Nobody has time for the Cowboys. And so, ain't nobody like the Cowboys. And all the Mexicans start clapping. And so, <laughs> Mexicans either like Cowboys or Raiders. 
for Rams. Um, but but they go up, they go up on Thanksgiving. They, go, they kept going up to Jerry Jones, the owner of the of the Cowboys, during the, the, the end of the game, and he, he's nervous and he's watching and and he's he's looking to see if if they're going to execute it. And and the Cowboys somehow they 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 finish out the game and they get the W. And and and, and of the whole box, the whole suite with the owner, they start clapping and high fiving and and they they won the game and and the, the cameras on them the whole time. Some of us think that God is like that. Some of us think God is up in heaven, and when you and I start making moral decisions and righteous decisions, and we start paying our push pay tithe, that God is up giving some angels some high fives, going like, whoa, uh, they, they did it. Way to go, buckaroo. Way to go, slugger. Like, we think that God is from a distance. God is not up in heaven cheering you on. He is on the field. He is in the huddle. He is in the locker room. He is literally the strength for your soul. He is the breath in your lungs. Come on, anybody thankful today that Jesus is in the boat? Come on, but he's with me in my success. This is Emmanuel, God with us. So he's with me in my storm. He's with me. Some of you can't understand this because usually what happens is success in our society, as you get elevated, most of the people in your world cannot handle your success. So they bail out on you because they can't reinvent themselves in this new relationship. And so you think success equals God being distant. God is just as committed to you when you are flourishing and taking off and making an absurd amount of money with an absurd amount of influence as he is in the storm. What kind of twisted, weird God would only be committed in the wind and the waves and not be committed when you are taking off and flourishing? I thank God tonight that he loves my success just as much as he loves me in my storm. Now some of you tonight going like, well, you know, I'm not in either. Like, I'm not in the storm, and I for sure don't have success. Write down number three, Jesus is with me in this season. He is with me in the season that I'm in. So it could be a storm season, it could be a success season, but I just thank God that he's with me in this season. Let me encourage you tonight. I don't know what this season has brought you, whether it be pleasantry or whether it be difficulty. Jesus is with you in this season. Can I ask you a question in the 7 p.m. service? What kind of season are you in? Is it a season of faith and taking a risk? Is it a season of pulling back and getting rest? Is it a season of making things happen and kind of going forward with taking liberties and not making time for sleep as much as you'd like? Or is it a time for you to wait on the Lord and kind of just gather yourself? What kind of season are you in? You know, he's the God of every season that you face. You know, nothing that you face in your life happens in your world unless it's been approved by the desk of heaven. You're in this season because it's God appointed and God ordained. You didn't bring this season. God brought this season. God has you right where he wants you. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. What kind of season are you in? Because the most frustrating season in the whole world is just simply an unidentified season. I can go through anything in life just as long as I call the season. It is what it is. Remember of the 12 tribes of Israel, 
in Israel in the Old Testament before Jesus, there was these tribes, 12 tribes of Israel, and every tribe had a role. Every tribe had a task, had something they brought to the table, which let me just take a, 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 a liberty right here. If you call Zoe your home, you have a role, you have a task at this church that you should join the dream team. You should go to growth track next Sunday at 2 p.m. and start being a part and you fulfill your call at your church to help build this church. We're not trying to build a little itty bitty church that does a little kumbaya service. We're trying to change the world at Zoe Church. Somebody say amen. So if they had tasks back then, we got tasks today. So it says of, of the tribes of Israel, they all had a role. They all had a task. It says of the men of Issachar, I'm just going to call these 11. The, the 11th group, Issachar, it says that their job was to recognize the signs of the times so that they would know what action they should take. Let's just say it this way. You do not know what action to take until you know what season you are in. But when you know the season you're in, you know how to attack it. I know how to get up in that thing. I know how to conquer. I know how to fulfill it. I know how to, how to flourish within it because I've identified the season I'm in. Let me just ask you, what kind of season are you in? Because he's not just a storm season, God, and not just a success season. He's in every season, God. He is committed to you this season and the next season. And by the way, you need to know this season because who I needed God to be last season is not who I needed God to be this season. Last season I needed him this way, and this season I need him this way. Like, let me just say it this way. Who I needed God to be when I was single is not who I need God to be when I'm married. When I was single, I needed God to help me be pure. Somebody say amen. When I, when I was single, I needed God to help me be patient. When I, when I was single, I needed God to help take this top ramen and somehow make it healthy. When I was single, I needed him one way. When I'm married, now that I'm married with all these kids and my wife wants more, I need God, help me run away. Just let me hide. Give me, give me your hiding place. Who I needed God to be as a single man is not who I need God to be as a married man. By the way, he knows what to be. His name is Jesus, but we will call him Wonderful, Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting. Come on, somebody praise the Lord that he knows who to be in this season. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, it's 7 o'clock at night. You got to put your hands together and thank God he knows who to be in this season. I'm thankful that he knows how to operate. Even when I don't know what to tell him what to do, he knows who to be. Sometimes God will, even when you're quiet and you don't know how to identify, God will step up and be, you need provision this season. You need healing this season. You need restoration this season. He knows who to be in this season. Now, I said all of that to get to my fourth point, which is my favorite point, which is the real reason why Jesus has come, Emmanuel, God with us. It's not just for storms, although that's helpful. It's not just for success, although we all would love some. It's not just for this season, although that is very, very important. But the reason why Emmanuel, God with us, has come and the reason why this angel is taking time with this young man named Joseph who heaven has chosen because they know he's trustworthy. The reason why the Holy Spirit has conceived a child in this virgin teenage girl named Mary is because actually heaven has gathered together and sent to us not only God with us, but he has sent us the gift of a Savior. Write down number four. 
He's not just a storm God or a success God. He's not just with me in my season, but he's with me in my sin. This is just, this is really powerful to me. He's with me in my, like my darkest, most broken, hurting, worst moments of my life. Jesus is with me in my sin. Worship team, you can come join me. And um, this becomes quite important to you and I because a lot of us think that Jesus actually bails out or leaves us when we sin. Did you realize that when you sin, like when you make a mistake, it could be an outburst of anger, it could be a fit of jealousy, it could be uh, an immoral decision, whatever thing that you do. Do you know that when you are in the act of sinning, Jesus does not turn his back to get on to Instagram to preoccupy himself while you're sinning. But actually, Jesus, he's actually there with you in your sin because he loves you. He's with you in your sin because he became sin so that you might become righteous. In fact, the next time you're sinning, you ought to do this. In the middle of the sin, I don't care if it's, you know, like the worst thing imaginable to any of us in this room. It doesn't matter what the level of degree of sin all of it is sin before God, by the way. I hope that you don't get on your high horse and you start grading some sins more than others. A sin is sin. The next time you're in sin, you ought to do this. In the middle of the act, you ought to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How could you be sinning and say that you're righteous? That's a double standard. That's grace. Grace actually, in the midst of your sin, Jesus comes and he gets loud in your eardrum, doesn't he? And he begins to speak to you, you're better than this. You don't have to succumb to it. I can actually get you out of this situation right now. That in the midst of your pain and your brokenness, what kind of a cruel God would bail out on you then? Like what if he was just a storm God that's petty? Success God. Everybody wants to be on the success train. Seasonal God. That's like hallmark stuff. Sin God? That's Savior. Jesus is proving himself that he is the Savior of humanity. He's proving himself that his blood actually purchased something. That he purchased you in your darkest, most broken, most humane, depraved, your, the, the worst state that you could be. Jesus is there. He's there loving you and encouraging you and speaking life over you and saying, no worry, I'm here with you. I'm with you right now. I'm with you. Everybody else is bailing. Everybody else is, is forfeiting. Everybody else is telling you you're garbage. I'm actually more committed in your sin. This becomes to me the great thing about Jesus. This is the issue, the beef that the church world had with Jesus. They couldn't comprehend it. They hated this about him because they thought he would just be perfect in church and holy and, bl and blameless. But actually, when he came in Luke chapter 7, it says that all he did was hang around sinners. Like, he was perfect and he was hanging out with sinners. Jesus hung out with sinners so much that they actually called him a wine-bibber and a glutton. Translation, they thought he was a drunk and they thought he ate too much. There's no way he could be perfect and hang out with sinners. Do you know who those people are? 
He texted with sinners, hung out with sinners. He ate with sinners. He laughed with sinners. He, this, he was into it. Because Jesus is proving something to you and I once again. Emmanuel, God with us, is not just when the wind's going and we're in the hospital and someone's just passed. It's not just when we're successful and we're getting a promotion and he takes the glory. It's not just in a season of singleness or a single of being married. It's actually in sin. He's a savior. He's saying, Joseph, don't worry. Joseph, it's fine. Joseph, be rest assured. What's in her is of the Holy Spirit. It's the promise of heaven. It's what 365 prophets foretold about. It's Emmanuel. God is with us now. He's not bailing out and waiting for me to come back to church. He's not bailing out and waiting for me to repent. In the midst of my sin, he's stepping up like he does in a storm. He's stepping up like he does in this season. He's stepping up like he does in success. He's Savior. Oh, I just wish somebody understood tonight that he's with me. Jesus is with me. Come on, stand to your feet. I just, I want to read a poem to you as we end tonight. A great poem. The author is unknown. We'd give him credit if we knew who it was, but it says author unknown. God sent us a savior is the title of the poem. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. Anybody thankful tonight? Come on, anybody grateful tonight that Jesus is with us? Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.